I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Great to have you here today. We're going to hit a little bit of an update on on the Ukraine situation when it comes to the orphans. Uh, Nobody thought that the uh, war there would go on this long. Uh, And it's kind of faded from some of the headlines, but the situation is still very real. So we want to touch on that. And you're going to hear a personal story with a connection to Ukraine that uh, I think will warm your heart and give you some hope uh, in, in these difficult times. My guest today is Dr. Rick Morton, um, and he is with Lifeline Children's Services. He is the, one of the premier orphanologists in the country. I don't know if that's a word, but it is today. Uh, and in fact, he wrote a book called Orphanology, Awakening to Gospel-Centered Adoption and Orphan Care. And I, I, I like, I just like the whole framing of that. Um, and, and so when you look at like Lifeline Children's Services and you're talking uh, adoption, foster care, care for orphans around the world, as well as helping uh, mothers who are, uh, well, to be pregnant, women who are pregnant who need some assistance. And to me, this is, I mean, I don't know, throw a scripture at you, back it up real fast, but this is the gospel in action. So you're going to get a real good picture of that today. Appreciate you guys being here. If you're watching this live, you're invited to be a part of the chat. Uh, and Rick, uh, great to have you here on Life Today Live. Welcome to the show, Randy. Thanks. It's good to be here. I, uh, you know, one of the one of the ways to success is uh, if you invent a term and then you become the authority in it. And so, but uh, in in all in all you know, all joking aside, orphanology actually came from the concept of of combining our our love and our care for orphans with our theology and it coming out of our understanding of who God is. And and so we. We wrote that book because we really firmly believe that when, you know, when we're caring for orphans, we're living out um, God's character before the world. We're showing, you know, we're showing the world who our God is because uh, ultimately we are those children. You know, we are those orphans in a spiritual sense. And, um, you know, the work that Jesus has done has redeemed us. And so that kind of flows out of everything, um, you know, that, that we are, but, uh, but it's also a pretty good strategy if you can invent a word and then, you know, <laughs> well, kind of build your, build your it, life around it. Yeah. I mean, well, it makes, it like makes a lot more sense in the words that, you know, the world is inventing today, like pronouns and stuff, you know, but I mean, right. yeah, it's, that's interesting that you tie the spiritual in with it, um, as well. I mean, you know, we know from James, this, this is pure and undefiled religion, right? right. Taking care of the orphans, you know, uh, the gospel of Paul when he went to the apostles and they, they confirmed what the gospel itself is. And they said, and just mm-hmm. one more thing, if you're going to add anything to the gospel, you better be careful. But they said, right. remember the poor. Right. And Paul mm-hmm. said, I, I was eager to do so. So, I mean, I, it's easy, especially in our culture today to get, you know, a little hyper-focused on certain aspects and, and not necessarily keep this in mind, but, I, I, man, I'm guess I'm getting a little old and crotchety, but I'm like, I'm tired of a lot of the religious kind of stuff. And I'm like, can we, can we just take care of poor people? Can we remember people in their misery? Can we help the widows and the orphans? And you guys, you guys have really done a good job of that. Well, thank you. It, it, you know, it, it really comes from a a conviction that, um, 
that this is just an outworking of the gospel. It's an outworking of who who we are and you know and and who Christ has redeemed us to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you you know we a lot of us have have probably spent a, a, at least a portion of our lives being scared of the social gospel. Exactly. Um, so just thinking, right? I was literally and, just thinking that, yeah. <laughs> and and truly, Randy, like that's that's something to be fearful of because I think anytime you add an adjective to the gospel, you've you know you're you're moving away from truth. And and what what we're convinced of is this is not this is not about a social gospel. It's just about the gospel, and it's about about people who have been born again, people that have been changed by Jesus, um, acting like our Father. And, and so, and when we go, we go not just to take care of children in their distress. We go not just to, you know, to help today, but we go, we go bearing the gospel. And so the best thing we have to bring to them is not food or clothing or shelter or any of those things. It's not family even. Um, the best thing that we have to bring to them is, is Jesus and, and the hope that, you know, that comes in Christ. And so when we talk about adoption, you know, we're very squarely talking about placing children into families where they're going to, where they're going to know Jesus and where they're going to be taught to, to follow Christ. And, and it's, it's not just about an interim solution to put them into a safe place to find a way to a Christless eternity. Um, you know, the whole passion behind what we do is, is, is a driving passion to see kids that are, you know, once vulnerable to be, you know, to, to be made whole and to be made perfect. Um, and, and, and if along the way we can, you know, give them what God intended for them to have in, in the first place in family and safety and security and all of those things, then that's a, you know, that's a great blessing, but we don't want to miss, um, giving them, you know, the, like the greatest blessing and, and the greatest and meeting their greatest need, by by just meeting some temporal needs and then and then moving on yeah yeah around here uh my dad coined a phrase that i think maybe he may have stolen it and he does that preachers do that but he <laughs> says we're we are uh life outreach international we share god's love in word and deed and and that's mm-hmm. what you're talking about mm-hmm. it's 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 the gospel preached and the gospel demonstrated uh and and i 100 percent back you on that yeah. That is not necessarily in favor, and in some places it's being outlawed uh, yeah. to say, well, "Yeah, we're going to place children, but we're going to place." I mean, you're saying you're you're even narrowing it to say if we're going to place them in Christian homes, that's even narrower than saying, "Well, we're going to place them in male, female, mother, father right. homes," which is right. coming under fire. Is, have you guys have you had any legal problems? You know, I mean that that stuff looms out there, um, but I think the you know maybe the secret that is is sort of an open secret in in the child welfare is the fact that uh, the child welfare system in America needs uh, needs evangelical Christians, hmm. like but Bible believing conservative Christians walked away from the the child welfare system, it would implode, hmm. and and so th- there's a sense in which that. You know, there are places where and, and pockets where our our worldview is challenged and not accepted, but that that challenge and that lack of acceptance can only go so far because because at the end of the day, they need us. <laughs> um, and 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 the truth is, 
that there's a, you know, when you sort of get into the whole worldview behind it, there's a pragmatism that exists in, in all of this in child welfare. I mean, at the end of the day, people in government want the child welfare system to work. Yeah. They, they want children to be cared for. They want, they want kids to be, to be able to be reunified with their families if possible. Um, they want the system to function well. Well, the system functions well when Christians are in it. Um, and, and so we hear, you know, and not from necessarily from policymakers, not necessarily from people that are, you know, that are, that are pushing those agendas, but from the people that are out on the street that are doing the work, <laughs> right. you know, they're right. saying, Hey, we, we want those church people around. Yeah. Um, we want them to engage and we want you to help us find more of them and, and to find, you know, to help us find families for kids and to help us to find, you know, safe, reliable places for, you know, for, for children to be cared for because they know Christians will do that. Um, we've had incredible success with a program that, that leads, um, churches to teach parenting classes to, um, to families who've lost their kids into foster care or, or, or at the point of losing their kids into foster care. Mm-hmm. Um, and these classes, Randy, they're biblically based gospel centered, like they're like, we're not hiding it at all. <laughs> um, and, and the truth is that we have, you know, judges and, and, uh, CPS workers and all kinds of people who are around that, that, that willingly, um, you know, they, they sort of, they, like they at least tolerate those things being done. One, first of all, the church is doing it for free, no money's changing hands. And so the government, you know, you can't, you can't play the, the separation of church and state card, um, because, because the state ultimately isn't paying for it. But, but more than that, um, it works. <laughs> right. And so you have churches that are, you know, that are bringing the gospel to bear in the lives of these parents. Kids are, kids are going home and staying home. They're, they're being, you know, enveloped by the church. And, and at some point, um, whether, whether you like it or not, when, when the scorecard that you're being judged by is whether, is whether the system works or not, they like us being there because we help it work. It's amazing. And, you know, yeah, it's amazing the difference between, you know, trying to help children get into a, a good home mm-hmm. versus trying to raise money for your next campaign. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so maybe if you want to, if you want to see where people are at, just go, what's, right. what's the motivation here? Okay. Uh, you, how many children do you have? So I have three. You yeah. Have three. We have three, three kids. Yeah. All, all who came through home through adoption okay. uh, from Ukraine, from Ukraine. Yeah. Right. That, and that's where I was going. Yeah. Tell us about that. Cause that's, uh, that's not always easy. Uh, <laughs> typically it's actually more difficult than, you know, like yeah. my parents, you know, were over here in Fort Worth. They just went to Dallas to get me. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's a short drive, uh, go all the way to Ukraine. You're dealing with other governments. You're dealing with other cultures. You're dealing with all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Walk us through a little you know, bit of your story, short version. Yeah. You know, Randy, the, the, the short story is, um, I went to I went to public school in the South, and so um, I couldn't find Ukraine on a map. Uh, <laughs> probably partially because it didn't exist when you know when maps were being drawn when I was in school. But um, we, you know, seriously, we we began the process and and really you know believed that God was going to build our family through adoption. Um, my wife Denise and I, we were, you know we we prayed and were just very open to adopting in any kind of circumstance. We looked at everything from domestic infant adoption to foster to adopt to 
international adoption and and the Lord just really continued to bring international adoption up in in front of us um and um and and frankly you know God God kind of orchestrated some circumstances for us that we we ended up um, reuniting with with some friends in ministry and actually um, doing some ministry work together with some friends who had who had adopted from Ukraine. Hmm. And and so um, at this time when, you know, when Ukraine was beginning to kind of raise up in our consciousness and it was the, it was these weird things like, you know, getting stuff in the mail about about orphans in Ukraine and things from people that we didn't get on their mailing list and didn't know why we were getting these things. And then all of a sudden we find out that these friends that we've reconnected with and, and have a ministry connection with, they have a connection to Ukraine. And like, there were all these things that happened. Long story short, um, God just made it obvious to us that that was where we were supposed to go. It was hard. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we saw, Ukraine at one point closed because of a corruption scandal. Yeah. And, and so we were kind of left in limbo. Um, but at the end of the day, we adopted an 18 month old little boy. He came home in, in January of, uh, of, of 2004. Uh, he's now 21 years old and, uh, he is awesome and, um, you know, is, is doing great. And he is, but he's the youngest of our three kids now. Um, so God just kind of radically transformed the trajectory of our lives with that first adoption. And that's where, that's where orphanology came from. That's where the conviction to, you know, really digging into the scriptures and saying how, you know, like, what are we supposed to do in this area? And how does this relate to the gospel that led us to adopt a, a, another little boy about, uh, about six years later, who was seven years old. Uh, he's now 22. And then we have a daughter who's 28, who, um, who came home at 14 from Ukraine. And, and so we had three very different adoption experiences yeah. But I can tell you, man, you if if you want to know how to be completely unknown and completely disregarded, um, just make yourself subject to a foreign government. Um, you know, because because of all the people that they may care about, um, generally, you know, we're not it. And and so, but but Randy, it was such a it was such a beautiful experience to walk through that and and to be in a place where we were wholly, completely dependent upon God. Um, there was nothing we could do. There was no, you know, there was no phone to pick up. There was no Senator on the other, you know, other end of the phone. There was no, there was, there was nothing that we could sort of, you know, twist any dials or pull any levers in life in order to, to try to make something happen. Yeah. And, and we saw God do some amazing, miraculous things, um, to, to bring us through that process and to bring us to our children and, and probably the greatest thing about the three adoption stories that we have is are those moments that we saw God show up in, in ways that we could, I mean, we knew he was there, we knew he was active, but in those moments where he pulled back the curtain of heaven a little bit and showed us that he was, he was active and he was for us and he was for our children and he was orchestrating our circumstances. And now to, to be able to tell those stories and to give that gift to our children, um, that they know that that no matter the the start that they got off to, no matter the difficulty of you know that they've experienced in life and in periods along the way, that they know that the hand of God was on them, and He's given them a story um, in their adoption that's a that's a tangible reminder of of the way that He He cares for them and 
you know, that's, that's resulted in three kids who love Jesus and, and are following him and have, you know, just have great confidence about the fact that God's going to use them to do something important. And that's a pretty cool gift as a parent. Well, yeah. And yeah, um, both to them and to you, right? Uh, yeah, for sure. I'm curious when, uh, when Russia invaded now, I mean, I know there was Crimea back in, what was that? 2015 or something. You know, so this is kind of not new if you've been paying attention to Ukraine very long. Well, but what, and our daughter's from Crimea, and so not to interrupt, but yeah. the, but so we we've, we've gone through it twice. Okay. We we lived through it in 2015. We you know it happened again, uh, you know, in, in this most recent invasion. And so this is a story that we've kind of watched play out a couple of times in our family, um, and it's it's tough. That's what it's, I was going to ask. It's been hard to watch. Yeah. yeah. What about for the kids? Because. Do they feel any kind of connection to Ukraine still? Yeah, all of all of them all of them have experienced it differently, and I think some of it has to do with their age and when they came home and, and those sorts of things. Our daughter, who's who's fourteen, she has um, she has a biological sister who still lives in in Crimea. They talk probably once a week or so. Mm. Um, her sister's life is incredibly hard in in Crimea. Um, it was hard before. It's it's harder now. Um, economically there, you know, it, it's a, it's a pretty rough situation that she finds herself in, um, after the invasion and, and, you know, and, and probably the hardest thing in all that is, is the fact that, um, you know, at least two of our kids still have, you know, they have relationships, they know, they know people, they're connected to biological family, that sort of thing. And, and it's the, it, it's the not being able to get to them and the and the uncertainty of the things that they're living in and living through. Um, you know, the 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 truth is that when when things like this happen, the, the people that are already vulnerable in a society become infinitely more vulnerable. Yeah. Um, and so if you're looking at people that have means that are trying to flee Ukraine or trying to you know, move themselves into safety or whatever. We saw the, you know, huge move of refugees. Well, think about being a kid who who doesn't have anything and can't advocate for themselves, that can't make a decision for themselves. They're relying upon someone else to care for them. Um, and and that's the plight of, of you know, of orphans in Ukraine. Um, a lot of these kids were in institutions not because they don't have parents, by the way. A lot of kids in, in Ukraine were in institutions because they have special needs that couldn't be cared for well in their community. Mm-hmm. And so they actually have been placed in orphanages because that's where their therapy needs were being met. That's mm-hmm. where that's where they were getting the specialized care that they needed. Um, and kind of one of the untold stories in all this is, is that when Ukraine, when the war broke out, they dismissed those kids from orphanages and sent them home. And they send them home into families where their families aren't resourced to be able to take care of them. And uh, and and there's there's been a there's been a lot of you know a lot of strife and a lot of difficulty that's resulted. We've got a, a ministry partner in in Odessa, kind of in the you know the southern part of Ukraine there, um, who left for a time into Romania. They've actually gone back to Odessa, and and their ministry now is is caring for families who have children with significant special needs and so they're providing food they're providing you know gas and diesel for generators they're 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 doing all kinds of things in order to help these families to subsist because um because frankly they you know they have no other way to survive and uh you know where their ministry once was 
was helping to provide, you know, tutoring and educational needs and 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 support for those families in one way. Now they're they're driving four wheel drive vehicles around bombed out roads in order to take supplies into those families, um, you know, just to make sure that they can subsist another day. Yeah, it has been hard. We've actually at Life Arts International, not long after Chernobyl, we we founded some life what we call life centers, which are basically yeah. some some homes for you know children uh not mm-hmm. really a full orphanage kind of thing um yeah and our partners and fortunately ours literally you can see the mountains of poland from where ours are situated <laughs> right. which we didn't know but you know sure. uh, that that worked in our favor during this invasion but you know one of our mission partner in kiev um because they have some uh operations there I, I think it was his son was hit by a bullet kind of thing. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. you're literally risking your life to work in Ukraine right now, even if you're just yeah. helping the orphans. Yeah. So, yeah. It, 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 we've, you know, we all know stories and, and have friends who have, um, you know, have lost loved ones. We have people that we know that have, you know, that have died in, you know, in the war. Um, there's a, you know, there's a, a friend that I knew that, um, they were ministering to kids who had aged out of the orphanage. And so there was a, there was a girl that was, uh, uh, she was, I think, 21, 22 years old, a mama, mm-hmm. um, had a little girl living in an apartment building in, uh, in the Eastern part of Ukraine and, uh, and a rocket hit their apartment building and she and her daughter were killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a kid who had come through the orphanage system, who'd made it, who was who was living well who was being helped by the church who had you know was making a way for herself and for her daughter um and and she was succeeding and and her life was taken uh as you know just really needlessly in in the midst of you know this conflict and 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 it seems as though that as this thing has kind of ground on the 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 problem now is there is just no infrastructure left in in a significant portion of the country mm-hmm. um and and so but the but many of the people that are stuck um are widows and orphans mm-hmm. who don't have the ability to be able to get out and so they're you know they're literally hiding and and hanging on for their lives in uh you know, in the midst of a situation that ultimately is not going to get any better anytime soon. Well, I mean, it gets a little bit better when somebody like you guys show up. Um, thank God. I want to show people the website. This is lifelinechild.org. Now, are you guys accepting donations to help in Ukraine? We are. Um, you know, we've been doing that since the since the beginning of the conflict. And uh, and and so when the war broke out, we started a fund. Um, you actually can go in a, under our global orphan care section on the website okay. and there's information there about Ukraine. There's there's a way that you could give um, and it goes directly to to support ministries like the one that I talked about. Yeah where they're providing for the tangible needs of, of families and, and kids and, and sharing the gospel, which I do think, I, I do right. think you got to do both. Um, and here's why I asked, because, you know, we got our truckload of tax money going over there right now. Um, and there are a lot of organizations out raising money, but, yeah. uh, there's been historical corruption. I mean, yeah. Ukraine has just been rife with corruption for years, decades. Yeah. And frankly, I don't trust our own government right now. 
Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and some of these pop-up organizations help Ukraine. They show some tear, you know, things that will make you cry. And you don't really know who they are. Um, and there's someone on the inside who's been doing it, who's got people on the ground, mm-hmm. who actually helps the widows and orphans. Have you seen some of this other stuff and gotten a little concerned about maybe some of the things not getting where they need to get to help people? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly, I mean, we probably, I, I really can't, I haven't seen that. And I'll, I'll be okay. honest with you. We, okay. because we've been really focused on the people that, that we, you know, that we work with directly. Well, that's and, what I'm saying. I can trust you guys. Yeah. 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 And, and I, and I think, you know, part of Randy, part of my story is as well, I, I, um, I've been to Ukraine 26 times hmm. over the course of the last, you know, 20 years. And, um, and, and so I've, I've taught at taught at Keith Theological Seminary for a number of years, taught church planners there. One of the cool things that, that, uh, that I've, that I've been able to be privileged to see happen through all this are, uh, pastors that have, that planted churches that didn't like these guys haven't run away they've pressed in they've stayed they've continued to shepherd their congregations they've continued to to try to love on and to provide for people in in the midst of you know people that are having their their world their livelihood everything about them turned upside down and and there's there's been this incredible network of of Christians around Ukraine that have banded together um you know and and i i resonate to some degree with what you you know what you said about i just think you know government and institutional solutions don't like they're just not effective and they're not efficient um but god's people are yeah and and when we when we put you know when we put things that ultimately belong to god into the hands of god's people um you know the lord has a way of of meeting needs and, and, and stretching things in, in ways that are, that are pretty remarkable. And so we've been able to see, um, and, and frankly, the church is flourishing in Ukraine. That's, that's part of the crazy part of this Mm -hmm. under, under the, you know, all of the, the fighting and the strife and the lack of infrastructure and all that sort of stuff. Um, there's a story that's not being told. And it's the story of people that ha- are having everything that they put their hope in stripped away from them, and and people that have that have never been open to the gospel, that are that are not only open to the gospel but people that are giving their lives to Jesus and people that are following Jesus in the middle of all this stuff, um, and and that's and that's because there are faithful churches and faithful pastors who've chosen to stay. And so if you give to organizations like ours, um, you know, we're not the only ones that are there. We're not the only ones that are, right. you know, that are, that are doing work like this. But when you support organizations that support those kinds of ministries, um, the, the you know, your money's going to get to the right place. Right. But more than that, it, it's going to it's going to get to the right place for the right purpose, which is first and foremost, um, you know, pointing people toward the hope that we have in Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's really my point is that you know, you, if you want to help in Ukraine, and, you know you're watching, and you, I'd just be very careful. And yeah. obviously, you know, Life Outreach International, we have small operation there, Lifeline Children's Services, even more extensive network, they're plugged into people on the ground with the gospel in hand, so they're gonna not just gonna yeah. get, uh, you know, 
uh, shelter or food, water, clothing, things like that, all of which I think are essential and, and part of demonstrating the gospel. But they're going to hear the gospel as well. They're going to see it lived out in the people that are working with it through the churches. If you're going to help in Ukraine, go with an organization like these guys right here, lifelinechild.org. And, and like Rick said, there's a designation. If you want to, if you designate your funds to any nonprofit, any 501c3, they have to use those funds for that purpose that you, <laughs> you designate. So if you really want to make sure, whether it's Guaranteed. with us or with, with, uh, with anybody else, write on there what it's for, if it's a check or and there's a designation in the donation form, it'll get to where it, you want it to go. Um, That's right. So appreciate you. Is there anything you want to add before I let you go? I love the update. Man, I, and I love the, the I just think, hope. you know, the probably the last thing I'd say is just uh, because we're in November, National Adoption Month, this mm-hmm. is a you know great opportunity, I think, for folks that are considering adoption to get information, to find out more. Um, great opportunity for churches to really be able to surround and love on and pray for and acknowledge adoptive families. Uh, encourage them, you know, during this time. And and so mm-hmm. we, um, you know, we love what we get to do. We get, we love the place that we get to, to fulfill in, you know, in that, that story of families. Uh, but, but we also, we also understand that it's a, you know, it's a big story and it's a lifetime and, um, you know, and, and I mean, even stories like yours and story, you know, mm-hmm. stories of, of, of you and your family. And, and the fact is that in the church, we need to celebrate, um, we need to celebrate adoption. We need to celebrate God's people, you know, acting like and, and and doing the things that mirror who our God is. And National Adoption Month, I can think of no better time than than for us to put a spotlight on something that really uh, illuminates the heart of God. But I think also really kind of, you know, brings a smile to the to the face of our Lord as well. Oh, yeah. Well, OK, so if it's National Adoption Month and I'm an adoptee, shouldn't I be getting something? I mean, do I get a, absolutely a or party? Absolutely. Or... <laughs> you know, hey, come to Birmingham and and like we'll I'll take you out for some barbecue and we'll have a party. How about that? <laughs> All right. Thanksgiving's got me a little busy, but I appreciate the invitation. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Rick Morton, thank you for being with us today. I've just I'm encouraged by the work that you're doing and the hope that we hear in places like Ukraine uh, and just keep fighting the good fight. Man, thanks, Randy. It's always good to talk to you and appreciate the time. Appreciate you guys out there watching. Hey, you better hit share on this one quick because National Adoption Month has only got another, I don't know, 14 days or so. So let's get the word out. You know, seriously, if you want to help in Ukraine, I do recommend uh, lifelinechild.org. Uh, and we welcome your, your support here, but we're all on the same team, right? We're on God's team sharing the gospel, demonstrating the gospel. Uh, and we appreciate you being a part of that today. Uh, got more good stuff for you. I'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live. Nobody can prevent you from doing the will of God.